Welcome to the Foundry, where leaders are forged daily. I'm your host, George Roberts. Welcome back, entrepreneurs. Today we have David Monroe, a CCIM instructor and strategic partner in the multifamily space. Welcome, David. Thank you. Glad to be here, George. So the first thing I'd like to ask you is how you got into real estate and then maybe merge into how did you get into the multifamily space? So I was sitting in a hotel room in Mariana, Florida on December 28th, 2011. And I started thinking to myself, self, when are you going to be able to retire? I was 42 years old. And not that I was thinking of retiring. I just wanted to know when would I be able to retire? And shivers just kind of went down my spine and through my fingertips and out my toes because I had realized, holy crap, there's no way I'm going to be able to retire at the pace I'm going. I was in the aviation industry at the time as a helicopter mechanic. And so I looked back at everything I had done that year and I had sold an airplane and I had sold a boat and uh, we had a bunch of go-karts that we sold because we were moving. My son had a junior dragster that we sold. We had all these toys that we had sold plus a salary of a little over $100,000 and I had like less than $1,000 in the bank and uh, right around 50,000 in a 401k. That's not gonna cut it at 42 years old. I don't care who you are. Any day of the week, any time of day, it doesn't matter. And so- I started researching on Google really fast. What in the world can I do to build wealth faster so that I have the ability to retire at 55 if I wanted to? Only if I wanted. I had no intention of retiring at 55, just if I wanted to. Real estate kept popping up. And um, a few years prior to that, I had worked for a former real estate developer. We had built a helicopter ride and tour company in Myrtle Beach. And so he had kind of put that entrepreneurial bug in me. Um, and... Um, that kind of spurred the spine hairs went in the back of my head and said, you know what? I bet the real estate business would be a good business to get into, to be able to build that wealth quicker so that I can be free at 55 if I want to be. And um, I had already read some books and understood what wealth was and, and how to uh, get to that point. But now I had realized a vehicle that I could get into. So I was going to get into real estate. Well, I was being moved from Orlando to Mobile, Alabama at that time, which is why I was in that hotel room. I was covering a helicopter base for the company I was working for because they had just fired the mechanic prior to that move. And so while I'm in Mobile looking for a place to live for the first few months, I had this real estate agent driving me around looking at houses and different things and wasn't really in the multifamily mindset yet. And he says, get a real estate license. You'll be able to get access to the hot sheets and I don't have to drive you around anymore. I said, okay, cool. I'll go do that. So I went and got my real estate license. And about that same time, I had read a book with uh, Trump's face on the cover. And this is 2012 called Commercial Real Estate 101. Well, Trump didn't write that book. A guy named David Lindahl wrote that book who at the time was kind of the guru in the multifamily education space. And he mentioned this other book about multifamily millions. So I went and just happens to be sitting right here. So I went and got that book and read that one. And that book sent me on the trajectory for where I am today. 
in multifamily. So that's awesome. Fast forward 10 years, you've been executing and how's the plan working? Can you retire in so, five? Uh, in three and a half. Three and, three and a half. Okay. Three and a third, to be honest. Um, I will be able to retire in three and a third. I'm not there yet. Um, all the investments that I had gotten involved in and, and the mistake I made, and it really wasn't a mistake. Getting my real estate license wasn't a mistake. Focusing on brokerage and getting away from investing was a mistake. So when I got my license, I focused on becoming a real estate broker. Of course, I learned sales, which is really why it wasn't a mistake to get my real estate license because I didn't know sales before then. Um, so learning sales was a great thing. Along the way, I invested. I opened a property management company and managed multifamily properties, which is the best education I ever got. Um, I syndicated a deal in Texas. Uh, I was passively investing in deals. So I would broker a deal and then I'd take half my commission and I'd reinvest it into the deal as a passive investor. So all those deals I was involved in during that nine years, they've all gone full circle. So I'm back to zero <laughs> because the market's so stupid right now. Um, I wasn't in control of those investments. So it wasn't my decision whether they sold or not. And so now I got all the money back and now I'm not invested in anything. So that's why I created strategic partnering so that I can start investing into deals passively on the LP side, because right now I am 100% solely focused on meeting that goal by my 55th birthday. And you mentioned strategic partnering. So that's a new term. Tell me how you define that. So a strategic partner is a position inside of a syndication group that purchases larger multifamily properties, typically with a newer syndication group. So the ones that have been established for a long time, they have teams in place, they have systems in place, and they're not really looking for outside help. They just go and crush it. But the, the ones that have only been doing it for a few years that are just getting started, have less than 2,000 units, and are still building their systems and their people they're looking for a certain expertise. They might be missing something in uh, underwriting, in uh, due diligence, market feasibility analysis, capital raising. You know, there's, there's a missing component to their team. So as a strategic partner, I can come in, fill that role. Uh, most, and I'm, I'm now teaching strategic partnerships. So most strategic partners, they're probably going to want to come in and be on that GP side. So they can negotiate a small percentage depending on what kind of role they're filling and be able to gain that experience as a GP um, to propel them into their next deal or become part of that team uh, if things go well and it gets them involved very quickly. For me, I want to negotiate a portion of the acquisition fee so that I can take 80% of that fee, put it back into the deal as an LP so that I'm now, now my money is making money for me as a limited partner. I'm receiving distributions that aligns with my goal by the time I'm 55. And I got to save 20% for the IRS when Uncle Sam comes a calling. Right. And so a lot of active investors focus on the active side, maybe to the detriment of being a passive investor. But, you know, clearly, although you, you are providing active skills to these investments, 
your goal, it seems, is to simply get all of your eggs invested into uh, passive investments. As a strategic partner, yes, that is my goal. So I, I have another business that keeps the light on at the house so that it enables me to be able to do that. I see. And so you're still working as a broker? Well, you're still a, an instructor, no? I am still an instructor, but you know, on a good year, you can only teach about four times a year at the Institute, um, especially with the online instructor-led instructors like myself. It takes five weeks to teach a class. So you're teaching about one a quarter. So you can do about four a year. So that's, you, you can't hang your hat on that money. Um, it's a volunteer organization. So we don't get paid that much though. We do get paid. Um, no, I have a separate education company that um, is doing okay. It's getting better. And that keeps the lights on at the house and the bills paid so that I can focus on my strategic partnering. So I, I run those two businesses side by side, but I don't, even though my strategic partnering is a business, I don't look at it as a business. I look at it as an investment vehicle, but I do have to do that work initially in order to make that fee so I can reinvest that fee. Right. And let's see. So the nice thing I think about uh, what you're doing is that you don't really have to worry about acquisition criteria. You're not just looking at one part of the country or one type of deal. Basically, it seems like you're just open to uh, whatever people bring you. So how, how do you build that network? Oh, Forward. good question. Good question. So um, I, I do concern myself with the deal. Um, I'm not going to invest in something that doesn't make sense to me. So even if I'm not asked to underwrite, I'm still going to underwrite it because it needs to make sense to me. Um, I may still help them on the deal if they need that expertise. I'm just not going to invest with them. And we know that up front. Um, so it does matter in that respect. It will always be multifamily. It won't be other asset classes. Um, and it just depends on where in the U.S. I love the Southeast, but it could be anywhere in the U.S. as long as it's not San Francisco, New York, Chicago, or Miami. Um, as far as how do I build that network, that's like the crux of everything I do. That is the, um, that is the system that makes the whole thing work. So I had made 250-something cold calls in January. And I spoke to five people and I don't care what kind of business you run. That's not sustainable in any market unless you're selling million dollar products and you get 50% of that fee, right? So that's just not a sustainable model. So I adjusted what I was doing and I created a prospecting plan for LinkedIn and I created a presence building plan for Facebook because my target market is in both. They, they're on LinkedIn, but they don't hang out on LinkedIn, they hang out on Facebook. So what I do is I went and I created, I identified who my target market was and um, I built a value proposition around that. And then I go into LinkedIn and I search a keyword in LinkedIn like multifamily investor. And I start connecting with everybody that's got multifamily investor in their title or in their about, which is what the results will show you in people. I hit connect, I add a note telling them that we have similar interests and that a relationship could be a win-win for both of us. I get a 60% connection rate when I do that. And then once they connect with me, I wait about 
two to three days. And then I'll, cause I don't want them to think it's a bot. And then I'll send them my value proposition in my van. And this is the key in my value proposition, in my signature, it's not really a signature. It's my email address, my calendar link and my phone number. Yes. My phone number. It builds transparent or shows transparency, builds credibility and shows that you don't have anything to hide. I found that that was one of the keys to this working. 30% of the people that receive that without even responding to me will click my calendar link and we'll have 30 minute Zoom conversations. I've had since February 1st, because January was pitiful. I started this February 1st. I've taken some tweaking to perfect it and it's probably not perfected yet, um, but it's doing well. 60% connection rate, 30% appointment ratio. Um, I've done almost uh, 350 Zoom 30-minute conversations since February 1st. That's how you build your network. Right. I love it. And so that's completely manual. So like you said, you're not using a bot. Completely manual. You're not using any virtual assistants or anything. You just go out and you're obviously then a LinkedIn professional. I think you got to pay. I, I am a LinkedIn service. Yes, I do. I yeah. pay $60 a month to be part of LinkedIn. Well worth $60 a month. Absolutely. You do one deal, that'll pay for years. Fun. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, I love that. I love all those hints on how to, you know, avoid being looking like a bot and, and things like that. So 350. So out of 350 30 minute calls, how many, and it's hard because there's always going to be a lay, but how many of those did uh, actually turn into any sort of a strategic partnership? I'm involved in six strategic partnerships right now. Six. six. That's awesome. And then you, you could probably figure it takes like what? Month, two months, oh, longer. something oh, longer no, than that. Exactly. Longer. So then you probably have, you know, planted the seeds for far, far more than six, I would imagine. Oh, yes. And, and more importantly, one of the things I talked about in being that strategic partner and one of the roles that I can play is a capital raiser. The network that I've built, I have the ability now to connect sponsors and co-sponsors on deals for syndications. I've got the ability to go find debt and bring debt to the table. I can go find preferred equity. I can bring in private equity companies. I can bring in family offices, or I can bring in um, uh, accredited or non-accredited investors, depending on the deal structure. There's legalities to that one. Everything else is just an introduction. There's no real legal ramifications to it. But when you're raising capital from individuals, there are legal ramifications to that one. So that more than anything, that network has allowed me to stumble into the role of a capital raiser that I never really saw myself doing in the past. I love it. And so, as you said, the, uh, what led you to the strategic partner role was basically just your needs as opposed to, uh, you know, anyone else you like, you consider this to be something you've just literally invented. It, it was, it was a market adjustment. The market demanded I do something different or I was going to start. Got it. You, you're talking about cap rate compression, et cetera, no, or I'm talking, I'm talking about the owners have, cause I was trying to find listings as a broker. Brokers have become commodities. Um, owners are tired of every single day, getting letters, getting emails, getting postcards, getting phone calls, getting texts, getting direct messages, everything else that they receive on a daily basis. 
will you sell your property? Will you sell your property? They're getting unsolicited letters of intent. They're getting unsolicited purchase agreements. People don't even know anything about the property and they're just, they're just slamming owners. They stopped answering the phones. They stopped talking to people. So I'm just backdooring that process and I'm building relationships first. Got it. Got it. I love it. And so then maybe we pivot a little bit and rather than talk about your current business, let's uh, discuss maybe some of the ways that you're, um, you know, training the next generation, like say, or how you can pass on what you know. Uh, do you have any invest, I'm sorry, do you have any advice for uh, young entrepreneurs? Build relationships. That process that I just mentioned on LinkedIn, that's gold. Do it. Start it today. What you do not want is you do not want to find an opportunity and not have the relationships to help you execute on the opportunity. You need the relationships first. Everybody skips this part. Even me, I skipped this part. In 2018, I had $560 million in my pipeline as an off-market real estate agent. I, I didn't have them listed and it was my responsibility to go find the buyers. I didn't have a buyer's list. I didn't have the relationships. You know how many of that 560 million I sold? Tell me. Zero. Yeah. Not one. Wow. So I ended up having to go to work for uh, a technology company because my savings ran out because it had been a year since I had a commission. That's what happens when you focus on brokering and not focusing on investing. When the goal I set at that time, eight years prior to that, or, or not eight years, uh, six years prior, six and a half years prior to that was to invest to build my wealth. Well, it took the, mo the worst January I've ever had in my entire life of prospecting to realize I need to refocus myself back to investing. And that's when I created the strategic partnership. Right. I love it. And so it's all about relationships. It's all about relationships. Well, like, I wish we had uh, this fascinating conversation. Wish we had the time to extend it. But I want to thank you very much, David, for coming on the show and sharing your strategic partnership approach. Thank you. Thank you, George. This was fun. I appreciate it.